And now a treat in a little bit. Uh, we're uh, catching up with uh, a good friend of many uh, ladies across the Kimberley, Sue Cannell. G'day, Francis Watson here, taking over your local radio station. Oh, and what's this button do? Hey, that's the cough button, Francis. <coughs> oh, that sounds like a little one with a wet cough. How long has she had it for? A uh, long time, about four weeks now. Oh, she might have bad lung sickness. We need to get her to the clinic, quick. Strong lungs help our mob grow strong. So if you hear a wet cough that won't go away, <coughs> get into to the, the clinic, clinic quick. quick. Authorised by the State Government, Perth. Hey, this is Missy Higgins, and you're listening to Sandy Dan on Country Affairs. We're heading across the country with you by the National Indigenous Radio Service. In fact, going down memory lane. Over 30 years ago, an inspirational lady took care of a bunch of Kimberley girls, not just from the Kimberley, but other parts of the state as well, as she was pretty much a hostile parent at uh, Bentley Hostel, 1 McKay Street. Everyone is very much familiar with uh, that address for those ladies uh, that have attended uh, at that time and were boarders at uh, the hostel to talk a little bit about uh, those days and how she got into this uh, position of uh, looking after young Aboriginal girls to begin with. We welcome uh, Sue Cannell uh, to the program. Hello, Sue. Welcome. Hello, how are you? I'm really good. Also beside you is your gorgeous daughter, Christine, who is only just a a young, impressionable little lady at that particular (laughs) time. Christine, welcome. Thank you. Welcome, ladies. It's certainly nice uh, to have you actually in these very studios, very familiar. They were often... Saturday nights when uh, both of you would watch me run off across the road to uh, 6NR Curtain Radio at that Mm -hmm. particular time to help out with uh, volunteering for Noongar Radio. Sue, but uh, just uh, going back a little further with your story, Mm -hmm. what brought you into looking after Aboriginal girls in a hostel to begin with? I think it was something different. Like it was, uh, I'd come over from England maybe six years before and I just travelled all around Australia and I wanted to settle, well we were settled in Perth and I wanted to do something that was a bit different that my kids could be part of and then I met you and that was it. <laughs> oh, not quite, but there is a story in between. Getting into hostels must have been very interesting. It, it was. I remember I had to have an interview with um, Norm Shakespeare, his name was, from um, Aboriginal Education in Perth. And he, he told me you could either make the job easy or hard. And you made it easy by enjoying it and learning from it and um, just being chilled, I guess, and focusing on what was going to be best for everybody in the house. And that's what I tried to do. He was great, wasn't he? (laughs) 
And what was it like in the house with all of those young girls? <laughs> uh, sometimes it was crazy. Sometimes they drove me, you and others, drove me crazy. Um, but you were teenagers and teenagers should drive their parents crazy. Uh, but the most of the time it was such fun. I learned so much from it. I learned... Um, I learned to be far more chilled in my life. I learned to relax more um, and to enjoy the difference, enjoy differences, but see the similarities at the same time. I remember when you were all teenagers and you were going out on a Friday and you'd have all your perfumes on and your makeup and then you'd be giggling as you went out the house saying, yes, we'll be back on the last bus. And it just reminded me of me as a teenager, the other side of the world, um, in a totally different town, totally different upbringing. But there were so many things the same. Christine, you were only a, a young girl back then. What did it seem like uh, to you, sharing your parents? I was um, only seven when when we moved there to Bentley Hostel, but I just, I loved it. It was one big family. I loved you girls. Um, I just remember term time, there was just so many people around. It was one, one big family. It was just fun and noisy and chaotic. <laughs> I loved it. I remember when you'd go home on school holidays, it was always so quiet. Um, I loved it, it was a great experience. I'm just so glad that I've, I've got those times to look back on. It's a great um, experience for a child growing up, meeting all you girls. And it's just, I'm so happy that we're kept in touch and it's awesome to see you now, Sandra. It means the world. You've got four children of your own. I have, and they're listening now. Hello, Emily, Lauren, Liam and Hannah. <laughs> oh, that uh, would have given you a great insight as a mum now, looking after or being amongst young ladies from a different part of the state. Oh, I think so. And I try and, I try and, tell, I t try and tell them about it so, so that they can appreciate. And I just, I'd love them to... I'm just so happy to be here in Broome and I'm so... I'm ho really hoping that they can learn something about your culture. And, uh, yeah, it's just great to be here, Sandra. It's so good to see you. Uh, it's good to really catch up with the, the both of you. So what's one of your memorable moments looking after <laughs> young ladies? A memorable moment. One thing I learnt is only ask questions when you really want to know the answer. <laughs> So never ask of somebody when you've just told them off, was it worth it? Because they'll often say, yes, it was worth it. And then you don't know what to do. So I learned that. I never did that to my kids when they were older. Um, but the, my memorable, my most favorite memories are either sitting, talking whilst we're eating in the evenings or trying to find Sandra Dan's um, contact lens at the bottom of the swimming pool. <laughs> I remember that we were 
floating around touching the bottom trying to find lost contact lenses. <laughs> I think you often lost them. Yeah, well, and often found them. Yes. Uh, thankfully, yes. thankfully. Definitely, definitely. So, when you left the hostels, mm-hmm. as one do move on to uh, greener pastures, you went into study, you yes. went into social work, worked with people with disability. I, I went after I, when I was still at the hostel, I. Whilst we were still there, uh, my husband and I separated and I went to, started university part-time and doing social work and then I finished it a few years later. I stopped being, uh, being at the hostel after my first year of study and then I went into working with, first of all, a woman's refuge, then... Um, children in emergency foster care and then in disability services. So for 30 years I worked uh, for people with disabilities um, in accommodation or respite, um, providing services and contracts along the way. And then I retired about five years ago. Hmm. Often enough, uh, your, your job has uh, brought you to the Kimberley and other parts of the state. Uh, what was that like, coming through those doors that was only parts of conversation from uh, girls that you've often looked after? Um, I think travelling, one of the roles I had was um, in disability was coming up to different areas to ensure that services were being provided to um, or the the services that people wanted were being provided um, and that was very exciting and and challenging because everybody wants a different service to suit themselves and they sh- that's how they should be but when you're in a small remote town, it's very hard to get the services there to provide exactly what people want. So there's always that challenge. What's been the biggest challenge for you? Um, working in disability, I guess the biggest challenge is there is never there has never been enough funds to provide the services that people deserve to have Um, and it doesn't matter which political party, it doesn't matter if it was the old system, the old state system or the NDIS there's just never enough funds because everybody with a disability for me um, I believe has the right to live the life that their siblings live, you know just the same normal lifestyle um, that their Mm -hmm. siblings, cousins, aunties, uncles live and it's very hard to be able to provide that for some people. Christine, sitting next to your mum and reflecting on her experiences uh, over 30 years, what have you gained from that? Oh, I, well, I have to say, sitting here and, and the last days in Broome, I'm just really taking the time to appreciate what she's done and who she is. Um, it's amazing. She's such a strong woman and uh, I'm just so proud of her. Um, And I think, uh, yeah, I just find it inspirational, Sandy. I'm so proud of her. 
It's awesome. And, and to provide that experience for us as, as kids growing up and meeting you girls, living with you girls was just such a, a time I'm proud of. We're certainly very proud of where you've come, Christine, especially seeing you sit here next to your mum, sharing this conversation with us has just been delightful. Thank you both. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Sue, Kennel and, uh, well, formerly Kennel, Christine. Day. Christine Christine Day. Day. Got to find a night. (laughs) Ha, 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 ha.